Welcome into the Draft Report Podcast. I'm Jack Brasky, joined here alongside my co-host Sam Teets. On this episode, we review last year's rookie edge class, preview the upcoming 2024 edge class before finishing off the episode with a top prospect we've watched recently. So Sam, last week was wide receivers going over last year's 2023 group and then transitioning to 2024. Less so the opposite in the sense that 2023 receiver class is really bad and 2024 has guys at the top. It's got depth. It's a, it has everything you want. Where 2023, it was, you know, where are we going to see, you know, Smith and Jigba as a slot receiver go first off the board? How are these guys going to get overdrafted? And so uh, at first it looked like this 2020, uh, 2024 edge class was not going to be that good. Um, but I think you have the guys at the top. There may be not be a will. There may not be a Will Anderson, but I think there are a few guys who can be really good players. And I think the depth through just evaluating and watching guys more and more and more ha- has really grown on me. To where I think there, you know, there's some really solid starters. It's obviously nowhere close to the 23 group that had you know seven go in the first round, and then even you're getting into the second round, and three, four of those guys could have been you know, potential first round picks. But when looking at last year's group and just going through it, what were your overall uh, quick takeaways from the guys after their rookie season? Yeah, I think going through this process and looking back on it, we see a lot of guys who weren't taking the first round still perform well. We'll talk about this a bit later, but a bunch of third round picks, both on the edge and, and also on the interior, played really well as pass rushers. You got some second rounders who had solid years. I don't think we really got the superstar season we were looking for from the first rounders. And there were some decent players there, but no one really came out and dominated the way I think we were anticipating. Uh, We talked about potential there for that to be a year two, year three breakout. I think we're going to have a lot of guys in this class in that bucket for potentially having those breakouts because it was such a low caliber year in terms of sack production for a lot of these guys. doesn't mean they did perform poorly. A lot of them did well, but I still think there's a lot of meat left on the bone for this class. We didn't have a true edge rusher get over 10 sacks as a rookie. Uh, and there's very few guys that got more than five. So I think we're looking at a situation where we have a lot of talent still left out there. Some of these guys are battling for snaps and reps on their given defenses. They're kind of depth pieces as rookies. We'll see them really step into larger roles here going forward. I agree. I thought that, yeah, there's some guys first round and second that I was expecting to get more snaps, uh, produce more when they were out there. But I think we see a lot of times that year two jump from these pass rushers as they get acclimated to not just being able to go win with speed, right? When you're going up against Lane Johnson and runs a 4.72, it it doesn't work as much anymore. And you got to figure out how to develop that power profile. And some guys aren't super strong going in. So uh, in in terms of the biggest surprise, though, uh, I think there are two. Uh, and you put one, I put the other. I went Yaya Diaby from Tampa Bay. And I remember watching the film of the Saints game. And I said to myself, he's more explosive and showing more than Tryon and Shaq Barrett. You know, at this point in Barrett's career, he's taken you know, a step back in their prime, uh, in his prime, obviously not. But between Tryon and, and Shaq Barrett, I, I thought that when Diaby came on the field, the effort was 110%. The explosiveness and overall athleticism he had was pretty impressive. He put together a couple pass rush moves uh, that I wasn't expecting. So he was a guy that uh, coming into the draft, 
I liked him, but did not think he was a third round pick. And great job by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because I think they have a legitimate starting pass rusher who I thought was more of a three or a four in a rotation. And I think he's a, at worst a two. Yeah. And you mentioned the other guy. I put Byron Young in. I was not super high in either of these players uh, at the end of the process. I did have top 100 grades on both of them, both their round caliber grades, which is where they ended up going. But I was not. Uh, too enthusiastic about either one's long-term output. I gave Byron like a late third to early fourth round grade in his initial evaluation. Uh, Byron, of course, third round pick for the Rams comes out and ends up being a, a star with them alongside Kobe Turner, who's the other third round rookie they had. Both really good. So tremendous drafting by them. Uh, young, if people aren't familiar, is from Tennessee. He had a really interesting backstory. He was not like going to play college football, essentially. He was working a job and then got into basically like a JUCO school and eventually transfers up and gets to Tennessee where he has a solid career in college. Uh, and it turns out to be a fantastic story for him. But he comes out, he's an older player. He's an explosive player. He's a little undersized though. He doesn't really have the elite bend, I would say. It's more like a role-specific guy, in my opinion, like a true designated pass for sure. Not someone you're going to really trust against the Brahmins a lot. Doesn't have the greatest bend in the world. Uh, doesn't have the best hands. He was really quiet. The senior bowl too didn't have a great senior bowl week. Uh, and then he comes out as arguably the best pass rusher of anyone in this class in terms of production. Uh, so he had a phenomenal year. And having those guys on the interior, Aaron Donald, Kobe Turner certainly helps out with that. But I, I was just surprised to see that the volume he had far eclipsed what a lot of guys who I liked more in this class put together. With Young, my concerns with him coming out are right. He's an at that size, to not be that bendy is a concern. It's not like he's got the longest arms in the world. And, you know, the 40-yard dash was great, but the 10-yard split wasn't really good. But yeah, but you saw, right, the jumps were, were, were pretty impressive. And, and he was an athlete. He's also 25 years old, right? Like, how many years are you going to get out of him? So those were my concerns. And with the Rams did a great job of stunts, twists, use that 4-4 speed. He, the thing that I think I didn't realize and, and, and others with Young is you just watch the film and let's just say the game against Philadelphia, Jalen Hurts gets outside the pocket. This guy tracks him down so much quicker than anyone else could. You think you have more time than you do and all of a sudden he's right in your face and you have to throw the ball away. So, right, I thought DJ Humphreys, uh, the Cardinal game, I, I, I can't remember which Cardinal game it was, but they were at home. Uh, the Rams and he showed a little more bend in that game that I had ever seen from him. And so, but most of it I think was manufactured production, but if it works, it works, right? Yeah. You get this guy uh, on a stunt or a twist and he's got a, a free lane to the quarterback. And all of a sudden, you know, he's getting close or getting the sack. He, he, a lot of cleanup plays. I think he's a two. I don't think he's a one, but I didn't think he was a two. Going in, you know, similar to Diaby, these guys were freaky testers. With Young, it's, you know, where does his game fully translate? You know, because I, I, I don't think the power profile is awesome. And I don't think he's that bendy. He was really tight. And it, you noticed it, right? Like running back, uh, you know, gets the edge and making him miss because he was too tight to react. He'd go one way and couldn't recover to the other way. But his run defense was good. So I think he got looser uh, than... He was in college, so but both of them productive third round edge rushers, and we've seen a lot. These day two guys don't seem. You know, everyone's like, you got to take the defensive end in the first round, or you'll get a Max Crosby or John Franklin Myers. 
in the fourth as just one of these guys that hits out of nowhere. But day two hasn't been fantastic for edge rushers, but those two guys tested off the charts. Uh, and that linear explosiveness uh, translated, and they got, I think, better in terms of their bend. So those are those are two of the ones. Who will be the year two breakout? Uh, this was one because uh, I was... I wasn't low on him. Both of us were incredibly high on Tyree Wilson. Yeah. And he, I think unfairly was crushed early on, right? Jalen Carter was phenomenal to begin uh, his rookie year. How do you not take Jalen Carter, right? You got to pair someone with Max Crosby. I think the year two breakout comes from, you know, different than Byron Young. If they don't take an edge rusher at 19, what's going to change in terms of, you know, the no pressure from the other side or a lack of pressure on the other side in terms of a dominant pass rusher. You do have Max Crosby on the other side and Max is just waiting for someone to be halfway decent. And I think Tyree showed enough towards the end of the season. You don't get guys who have 35 inch arms who are at that size, but you know, that injury that he had list Frank, he, it kind of was swept under the rug. I, I felt like his camp did a good job of that because we're still talking about him as a potential number two overall pick on draft day. And I think reports starts to come out. Well, the injury is going to cause him to fall a little bit. And so he goes at seven, which isn't really a fall. Seven's still incredibly high and just didn't do much as a rookie. But I think that power is going to start to show up more and more. I think by year three, we're going to be looking at him and Crosby. as one of the best duos in the league. So I just think with his tools, he's going to get it right. He, he is as physically gifted uh, as you get and was a lot of tr- trouble for some really good offensive tackles in college. And traits like that, just, yeah, it just took a little bit of time. That's fine. He's coming off an injury, playing at Texas Tech. He still was a little bit on the raw side. I think he takes that year two leap, which he's got the ability, and I want your opinion on this, to take the biggest year two leap because he's just physically more gifted than every other edge rusher in the class. So that's why I think no, he's I, I, be I agree that he's more gifted. The concern is going to be if Malcolm Koontz, the other passers they have on that roster, really took a step forward this past year. He's like a yeah, third or fourth true. year player. So you're going to have the maybe a bit of a snap battle there. You've got Antonio Pierce, who was on the staff last year, but was not in charge of drafting this guy. Neither was the general manager who's in there now. So that's my main concern with Tyree Wilson. Again, like I was super high on him. I still believe he'll be a successful NFL player. And I still want him to be a successful NFL player. Uh, and you mentioned all the athletic traits he has. It's just a concern about is the situation has the situation changed now to the point where there's no loyalty to him in the building as far as making sure he gets on the field. So that's my main concern with him. It's nothing to deal with him personally or with his talent. It's just the situation around him has changed a bit based on what's happened in the past year or two. I agree with that. Yeah, I didn't really think about the Coons aspect of it. The tough thing with like you watched the film for the Raiders and, and Koontz, trust me, I was like, what was this pick when they took him in the third round? And then the first couple of years, you're like, you see, like, why would they do that? Gruden and Mayock made a mistake. And then, yeah, he really turned it on. He had some phenomenal games last season. You just watch him and he was bendy coming out and everything. But uh, he really took that next step in his development. So, yeah, I, I think in terms of. I'll rephrase it with Tyree compared to rookie year to second his second year because he's still going to be rotating enough where they can if both of them are good. I you know I, don't, I think they leave Max on the field every play, and and then you have the two of them because if they're both good, you can. And I wonder if they try putting all three on the field at the same time. You know, teams have done a better job 
of trying to get all their pass rushers on the field, especially you know, on third and third down situations. But yeah, I, I know you're saying, right, the, the snap count won't be there in comparison to like the guy that you're going to talk about. But um, I, I, yeah, I think that if Tyree can get enough snaps in there, hopefully he could do it. But you bring up a good point. Koontz is still there and he took a big leap in, in year three. Yeah, the player I want to bring up was B.J. Ojolari, who plays for the Cardinals. The Cardinals have a couple of free agents along their defensive front. Uh, and the guys really standing in front of B.J. Ojolari getting snaps are like Dennis Gardeck, Zayvon Collins, who I think they'll continue to play at a pretty high rate because he was a former first-round pick. But again, they've had some changes to the front office since then. They still played him a lot last year. I think that B.J. Ojolari is going to see a lot more playing time this coming season. He played about 400 snaps as a rookie a lot of that was towards the back end of the season where he did have some really solid plays and some good games. Uh, with Ojolari, you're not getting the best overall athlete, but I do think you're getting a really good passer in terms of the pass rush plan he has. Because we talked about the arsenal of moves he had last year coming out. He was consistently winning to the tackles inside shoulder. He was a really good player in terms of setting up his pass rush. And he had plenty of moves. It's just a concern about what's he going to be like as a run defender, essentially? Because he is a smaller edge rush in terms of both the height, the weight. You know, Can people take advantage of bad times? You can see that. Uh, so I think that's probably the concern with him. And he's not the best in terms of bend and burst either. He really relies a lot on his hand usage and setting up that plan correctly. Uh, I think just because of that technical development, he's going to be a solid NFL player. He might never be. He's not going to be a true one in terms of an edge rusher, but I think he'd be a solid two for them. I think he could be potentially their leading sack getter on the team this year for the Cardinals. They used him similar to how Gannon used Reddick. And I thought, so right, he comes into a situation with a muddy pass rush group, right? You have Dennis Gardick, who was flashing early, Victor Dimukeji, Zaven Collins, they moved to edge. Early on, Maje Sanders and, and Cam Thomas. Maje gets cut. By the end of the year, Cam Thomas was, was not competing for snaps. Ojolari to me, right? Gardick can only play such a role. He's very undersized and he's really a situational pass rusher. And Zayvon Collins to me, he's just out there. Like he's going <laughs> to eventually get a couple of pressures and you're going to look and you're like, eh, not bad. But when you're playing the amount of snaps he does and maybe year two as an edge rusher, he can take a jump. But I, I think they're just kind of struggled to find a place to put him. And he was not good at inside linebacker. So. Uh, this is an experiment here. But I thought he was natural dropping back into coverage, Ojolari. For me, more of uh, the concern than anything would just be, yeah, like how much stronger does he get? But we see that year one to year two jump in terms of that play strength. And right, you talk about the ability to defend the run. I thought it got better for him. And that's why they kept playing him more and more and more. So I definitely agree with you that he's going to be able to, I think, get more and more snaps. And he's to their most talented pass rusher, right? Uh, he is a very good player, and I thought that they gave him a lot more snaps down the stretch. And there were games where even he was a better run defender than pass rusher. But the flashes as a pass rusher, it's like, oh, that was that was an interesting play that he just had there. Like he just did this or he did that. That I was like, I didn't necessarily see that. Like even when we do compare him to his brother as a rookie, the, his brother had eight and a half sack disease. But there was some. There was a. And you're right. You talk about the bad. And I, I think. Uh, he he's been improved. I, I think he was a little bit looser this year, uh, and I just thought his tape was good. And if he gets improve that play strength, right, continue to get that pass rush plan as you talked about it, refine it because uh, the flashes were phenomenal. 
and then just give him more snaps because we, you didn't take him 42nd or 41st to play behind, you know, Dennis Gardick and Cam Thomas. And we saw he was taking snaps from all those guys. Uh, and so I, I think that he ends up being their number one pass rusher by the end of next year. So uh, I think that's a really good pick. Uh, in terms of the biggest hit for the position, I switched around some of these uh, topics because you know it was tougher for the edge rushers. There weren't too many hits outside of Diaby and Byron Young, and then obviously Will Anderson. But uh, in terms of the biggest hits, I went with Isaiah Foskey because, and it, it's tough, right? We, it, it was only year one, but he was a guy that I was pretty low on. And you're going to talk about him in a second as a player you were really low on as well. You the the I think that uh, ten yard split, which was I can't remember the exact number, but it was by far the best of any edge rusher. He looks the part. He tested well. I never saw much of anything on film. Right, you watch him go up against Matthew Bergeron, and Bergeron, it, it was like this is the guy who's going to be the 40th pick in the draft. He just did nothing, right? Where is the Packers plan? There is none. Where's the Ben? Not really. There isn't really any. Where's the ability to convert speed to power? I didn't see it on film. He looks the part and he tested well, but that's only a small part of the equation. He interviewed very well, from my understanding. Like, he's a really, like, he's a statesman of a player, of a player. Like, in terms of his ability to, like, be a leader in the locker room, be like a public facing individual for your franchise, he's that dude. So that, I think it helped him out quite a bit. Okay, so yeah, I, I interviewed him after his freshman year and he was really mature. Those Notre Dame guys are. So uh, yeah, I, I think that Fossey, right? You put all those people, I understand to a certain extent the pick. I would have taken Ojolari over ahead of him. You know, Ojolari goes 41, he went 40. It's not like crazy, but I would have gotten Ojolari over him. And I just... Yeah, he only played 84 snaps and had three pressures as a rookie. And I still, and, and this is a, another, because we're talking about edge rushers, I'm interested between him, Peyton Turner, Carl Granderson, and Cam Jordan, they continue to get mocked at edge rusher at 14. Are they just basically giving up on him? And tur- like, you would hope that the guy they took in the first round a couple years ago, I know Kane Turner can't stay healthy, but I think you're hoping for something. He still have Cam Jordan, who, you know, I know he's getting older, but he's still a good player. They paid Carl Granderson. Like, if you're taking edge rush at 14, you're, you're continuing to block Isaiah Foskey. And how do you go up on a guy who just took 40? I, I know he only played 84 snaps and as a rookie and was non-existent. But, I don't know, just a, a, a side part. Uh, yeah, of- I, have a, I have a mock draft coming out later this week, and I'm, I'm mocking them edge rusher in the second round. So I am contributing this to some extent. <laughs> Uh, I, I just You're the problem, that, you know, here, Sam. <laughs> yeah, I, I am the problem one here, but I don't know. Like edge rusher in second round, back to back years, I understand the concern there, but also, I mean, eighty four snaps is pretty tough, dude. Like the first second round pick, uh, it's if for like an older second round pick. He's not, he's not like a super young guy either, if I recall. Mm-hmm. So it's a tough situation. Sometimes you just have to be honest with yourself, and I think that the. The Saints with Cam Jordan, where he's at in his career, just might to be honest with themselves and say, we don't have a true one at edge right now. You know, they might not have a legit two. Like Cam Jordan's good, but I don't know if Cam Jordan's like your ideal legit two at this point. Like Alex Highsmith or Cam Jordan, who would you rather have? I think Alex Highsmith would be the more productive individual pass rusher at this point than Cam Jordan, based on like what I've seen from Cam Jordan this past year. Just not physically what he was even a year and a half ago. So I think that. 
you have to start, you know, being a little bit more honest with yourself about what you have and don't have along your defense if you're the Saints. Now, who are your yeah, talk a little more about Foskey and then your other two prospects. Yeah, so Foskey was a player who I think I got right. I have him at 79 on my board. Obviously, like third mid third round kind of player. That's more in the range where I'm okay taking a guy like this because he did have some productivity in college. He didn't really have the traits or plan you're looking for. But again, I spoke to him at the Senior Bowl. He crushed interviews, I'm sure. Like he was a leader, all this kind of stuff, like team captain at Notre Dame. It's all adds up to being worth something. And again, he was a productive player. I think he has the Notre Dame career sack record, I want to say. So it's not like he didn't do anything in college. But in terms of actually sitting down, analyzing the film, looking at the pressure he was applying, the pressure rates, how he was getting his production, it just was not what it needed to be, frankly. And it's not like he was going to be a super elite run defender either coming out. Uh, so I, I think that my projection from the mid third round pick was more in the range he should have gone. Other players I wanted to bring up, Will McDonald, who again, didn't play a ton for the Jets this year, was always a head-scratcher pick for the Jets in the middle of the first round. Uh, I put him at 46. Uh, obviously, he's got a really good spin move, has really good length, but he is a leaner edge rusher. I like to rotate their guys a lot in New York. I just didn't understand the pick. Uh, I think 46. Well, he was not a first-round player for me. So I think 46 where I had him. Felix Enudiki Ozoma, who I think had one one big play in the Super Bowl. I forget what it was, but his name came up once in the Super Bowl. He barely played during the season, despite some injuries along that defensive line for Kansas City. Uh, they took him in the, at the end of the back end of the first round. I had him at 58. I just thought he didn't have like the size and plan to really be productive. And then Keon White, who had like a flash, a couple of flashes with the Patriots, but didn't really have a good overall season. I had him 65, and they took him like middle of the second round. So it was those were the guys. Well, I think I got right, at least based off the rookie years. Obviously, a lot can change, but I was significantly lower on a lot of the edge rushers last year compared to where the NFL was, apparently. the re- Yeah, I just put Foskey because that just was, I'm a little nervous. I ooh, 84 snaps for a little bit of an older player, right? Like eh. The other guys, though, I think we saw this edge class pretty similarly. Uh, Will McDonald, right? Like when you compare him, he was a guy that, I didn't like I, 15. I was like, wow, that's early. I, it seemed like they were trying to trade back. I know all the these videos that come out from these teams on draft day always make it seem like whoever they were trying to get, they were almost trying to trade up for. Like, really? They it took they were down to like the final like 10 seconds before they took Will McDonald. It felt like it seemed as, as if the Patriots, you know, who, who were 14 traded back with the Steelers because they knew they were taking Broderick Jones just to make sure the Jets couldn't get him. I, I didn't hate the Will McDonald pick in the way I hated the Felix Anudike Ozomo pick. I just said to myself, he's more explosive uh, than, yeah, I guess a Foskey type, but I was like, he's not really... You you watched the Oklahoma tape and Anton Harrison just, just shut him down the entire time. That's an NFL athlete he's going up against and he did not do anything. So he did a lot against mediocre Big 12 offensive tackles and the one game I wanted to see him do anything Anton Harrison had it, it didn't even have any it didn't have an issue with him uh I felt that he was over completely overrated I'm, yeah I didn't even really have 58 Keon Whiteland didn't make sense to me uh but he wasn't a first so I wasn't gonna like hate it uh where he was there was kind of a gap and he's the Patriot kind of player and the first preseason game against the Texans he had a couple of plays where like wow 
but he is older. He's going to be, I think, 25 next season. He's a 24-year-old rookie. He had, uh, he was a guy that I thought was more of an interior player than an edge rusher. Uh, I didn't see it in the same way other people did. I had a late third on him. Um, and so I started with an early fourth. And then I went back because Daniel Jeremiah put him eighth, and all I and I was like, all right, I see a little more. Let me bump him up a little bit. So I don't hate that one. The Anudiki Ozoma pick, like you could have taken BJ Ojolari there, right? And I would have loved him way more, just in general. Uh, I guess a little more of a scheme fit type with uh, Anudiki Ozoma and kind of that mold that their edge rushers are, but I just didn't see it at all. So I'm glad you went with those guys because. Yo, Foss, you're right. We're both like in a line because we chose him. Will McDonald, I get. And like, if it was 29, I'd be like, I like that. 15, it was a, like, it was a bad class. So, you know, when he's older, right, I, I, I don't feel like he's going to be able to maintain the weight. The spin move is the best thing I've ever seen. But like, you know, there's got to be more to you. And, you know, he's bendy, which... 15's high for a guy who I think probably plays in the 220s. You know, like that's just an yeah. issue. And then Anadike Ozoma is just best on best. And he was completely overmatched against Anton Harrison and Keon White Patriots kind of pick. I didn't hate it right earlier for me, but there was kind of a gap in the edge rushers. Yeah, I had I had Keon White. I started off with a late third to mid fourth. And then immediately, like we were doing, we were talking, we were doing the prospect profile. We were talking during a meeting. And you're like, oh, by the way, I'm hearing like second round buzz in this guy. Like, what? <laughs> like, I had gone in totally blind. Like, Keon White was a player who I had not done any level of research on whatsoever. I had just gone totally blind to the tape. And I was like blown away when you brought it up to me that you were hearing that kind of buzz on this guy. And he was like a freaksless player who had a lot of like athleticism. But I don't know, man. Like, just I didn't see it with him. I thought he had to play outside. I didn't think he had the the build to be an interior player. Like he looked a lot smaller on tape. Like his listed size was like what in college, two seventies, two eighties or whatever. And you looked at him on tape and I was like, this guy looks like he's two like two sixties to me. Like I didn't think he could play inside like someone like Darius Robinson who has doesn't look like bulky, but has a lot of like angular length and like super like just aggression. I get that a little bit. I didn't get it with Keon white as much. No, uh yeah no I, I I agree so I'm glad we saw it and then we'll, you know we'll see you guys like Miles Murphy I thought did enough to not be in any category here uh and then you had your Van Ness was never going to be uh come out of the game gate strong in year one we knew that but overall right like with, with Will Anderson at the top not a ton afterwards um that was overly great but I think it, I think we're gonna see a lot of year two jumps there in terms of this edge class. Who were you low on going into the draft? Uh, I'll start with the two that you you chose. Uh, what, what made you go young and Diaby, who we talked about a little bit earlier? Yeah, we've kind of had this conversation a bit, so I don't want to go too deep into it, but I just thought that Byron Young was old and didn't have the kind of power or bend you really needed to be a, a significant hit in the NFL. So I didn't think... He, like When I first did his evaluation, I believe I gave him like early day three. I think when I first saw him, I didn't think he was going to be the super high end player. And I did get up into the top 100 and give him a, gave him a third round grade eventually by the end of the process. But it just was not a player who I started out very high on and not a guy who I finished very high on. Yeah. I gave him a late third, to early fourth round grade when I first evaluated him. 
So I didn't have a ton of faith there. And then Diaby was the player I was lower on. I thought Diaby was going to be like a mid-day three player. Uh, again, an older prospect. I didn't have a clear pass rush plan. I thought didn't have great play strength or great bench, like a, a well-rounded athlete, but not a superb athlete in any single area. Uh, he played out of position at Louisville. That's my one defense for myself is that he was playing a different position than he would in the NFL. Uh, but I, I just thought they didn't have the traits to some extent, like didn't have the overall plan and didn't have the bend and explosive you were really looking for in an edge rusher. So I, I was even lower on Diabe to start. Uh, credit to like guys like Brett Coleman, I know who really liked Diabe. Brett obviously has a good relationship with the Shrine Bowl, which I think is where Diabe ended up being uh, a little bit last year. So I think like Brett Coleman had him like as like a third round, second round player for a while. But uh, I, I was not there with Diabe until even at the end of the process, I was not really there with him. It's you know finishing ninety fifth with him on your board and Byron Young eighty nine. Again, these NFL teams do as much work as possible. Neither one of them would have lasted as as long as they did. I don't know, right? Like I think more, uh, especially with Young, scheme fit played into it, right? And the age factor uh, as well, I think, is would deter teams anyways. But it's funny. I would I heard a lot of buzz during the season about him. Like if he wasn't his age, he'd be like you know late second, early first. And it's like, what? Like, I'm not seeing this at all on film. And he almost looked like a different player this year. He's still older though, right? How many how many years are you going to get out of him? Uh, and then I went with Nick Herbig. I, I, Zach Baud, I, I, like this, this Wisconsin pass rusher, that, you know, undersized guy, like, is it going to work? And, you know, Baud played a little bit. We talked about the, the Saints earlier. He he started to like all right like he may not be like hey, obviously a bust but for a third round pick like maybe not so bad uh, as just an edge rusher this year I thought Herbig was gonna have uh, some problems being a, a, a situational pass rusher and he did not uh, he flashed for the Steelers I think he could be their number three guy I really do you know you bring him in you bring in Marcus Golden again and I think you have an unbelievable pass rush group so he was a guy I fourth round I was like all right. Let's see. Uh, he has some pass rush tools. He's got the bed, traditional linebacker. He's still got to learn how to develop that aspect of his game. But he was a guy I was so out on and completely wrong because everything he showed just in the flashes. Right? He had that play against the Seahawks, Charles Cross, where he just beat him like a drum for a strip sack. So every time he was out on the field, uh, he was doing a lot, looked really good in the preseason. So he was a guy. Uh, that I was not even going to take in the fourth round, and he really impressed. So, the don't bet against who the Steelers take as pass rushers because I don't know if I was super high on Alex Highsmith as a as a third round pick either. And look what he's become. So, who's ever developing those pass rushers in Pittsburgh deserves a pay raise because wow, Herbig, Highsmith, Watt, like they've gotten as much out of those guys as possible. So yeah, Herbig was a was a guy that I was lower on him. Way lower than Young and even Diaby, and thought it didn't work with Zach Bond. Why would it work with Herbig? And proved me wrong. Steelers did that. So yeah, that was the 2023 edge rush group. Uh, seven first round picks. A lot of a lot of names in there. Good players in the second and third round, and even some guys on day three. I think have shown that they're going to be able to develop into solid contributors. So a good group in a uh, really weak draft class overall. So glad to see that. So now. Moving on to the 2024 draft that I think uh, gets too much hate uh, because when you look at it, and we always talk about it, where would these guys fit in the 2023 class? It's not like 
edge one in this class would be edge eight last year, right? That's just not how uh, it would work. So when you look at it and the first thing I, I think we got to talk about, how many first round picks will there be? So I, I went with five, you went with four. Here were my five that I ended up selecting. Dallas Turner, it seems like even though for us, we wouldn't take him uh, as the first edge rusher, he's going to be the first one drafted. Then I think Jared Verse. Uh, Darius Robinson did enough at the Senior Bowl that I, I think with how he's going to test the arm like I waited four years for him to finally develop, right? Because you look, you look at the measurables, and you're like, holy cow, that's an easy top 100 pick. And you turn on your film, you're like, all right, he's okay. And this was going back to uh, his first senior season. And they're like, eh, he's okay. Then his second senior season, you're like, all right, eh. Or junior film was eh. First year senior film was even more eh. And then this past year, he finally turned it on. But I I think that ends up uh, Latu, Latu, Latu. He's the wild card, right? It comes down to what teams clear of. I just don't think, right, if you're looking at that 25 to 32 range of one of those teams clear them, he's going to be the highest guy on your board. So uh, I think he ends up going in the first round. If enough teams clear him, he go in the teens, right? He's that kind of player. And then I put, uh, and I want you to kind of determine, I know you're hiring one of these guys than the other two, but I put that fifth spot between Chop Robinson, Adisa Isaac, Austin Booker. All guys who I think are going to test well. I think right between when we talk about lot to that 26 to 32 range, we see, you know, Buffalo at 28, right? With Von Miller just being a total no-show. AJ Epinesa is a free agent, right? You're going to need some talent infused into that group outside of Greg Rousseau. So you have them at 28. Then you look 29, Detroit. You know, outside of Aiden Hutchinson, how much are you going to be able to count on John Kaminsky as your legit number two? If you get a guy who can pair with Hutchinson... That would be a team that I think uh, could look to go edge rusher. Then 30, Baltimore. Just has Clowney priced himself out uh, of being a guy. Van Noy was good, but I think he's more of a role guy, uh, obviously, still. Ajabo coming off the Achilles and the ACL. You can't count on him at all. And so, you know, Odafe away is a good player, but getting another guy into that pass rush group, I wouldn't hate. Right. Yeah. They're mocked continually corner, wide receiver, O line, but you know, never can have enough pass rusher. San Francisco at 31. I think Chase Young's gone. Obviously, they didn't think enough of Drake Jackson as a legit number two. He was phenomenal week one against the Steelers, had like three sacks and really, uh, another nine year edge rusher. And then he kind of cooled off afterwards. So they're a team that I think uh, could take a pass rusher. Um, so those teams in there, I, I think, are all landing spots. And we talk about 27 Arizona even. Yeah, outside of Ojolari, right? Zayvon Collins and Zayvon Collins, Dennis Gardeck. It's not the best group in the world. Dimu Kiji as well. So uh, it's kind of my thought process. I think one of Chop, Adisa, or Austin Booker are the the ones, and and you went with four. So yeah. So let me put it this way: I have a mock coming out that has some predictive elements baked into it. It's not just built off my board. I do have five edge rushers going the first round. Personally, though. I lean more towards four. I feel like the guys you can leave on, on the field every down and get production from are Turner versus Robinson and Latu. I feel like Chot, like you said, I like Chop. Chop was my fifth guy on my mock draft that I got in going to San Francisco. But Chop, Adisa Isaac, Booker, based on the size, they don't have as much on their bones, essentially, as those other guys. I think you're going to see a situation where 
some teams will view them more as players who are not going to be playing on heavy rundowns per se. So I think that's a situation where you might, why I lean fours, I feel certain that there are four players near the top of this edge class that you can leave on the field for every down and not have an issue. Chop, I feel okay about that. Looking at Deesa Isaac, Isaac was really good at the Senior Bowl, but I do think he's much smaller than a lot of the other edge players we saw there. Uh, he's going to be like, there's some schemes essentially in the NFL where he's not going to fit really well. Like what Washington was doing with their defensive ends prior to everything kind of falling apart in Washington, he wouldn't fit there. Uh, there's certain teams I just was not getting a natural fit for. Same with Booker. It was like in the 240s right now in terms of his playing weight. It's just not going to be a natural fit. So I tend to lean four. Also because doing the mock draft exercise, the second edge rusher didn't come off the board for me until like 23. But the way the corners are set up and the receivers and the quarterbacks and the tackles this year, you could see the edge guys legitimately like you could not your top edge rusher might not come off the board until the mid teens, essentially. So I think there's a situation where just every guy gets pushed back so far that you might only have room for four guys at the end of the first round of the draft. When you go back, you look at it. All right. So last year, seven edge rushers. The year before, five. Uh, in 2022, 2021, so six, 2020, a little bit of an outlier, only two with Chase Young and Caleb on Chase on 2019, seven. So this is, I wouldn't say more of that 2020 uh, year, but it's definitely not a wow class. I think it's more that, right, we see a run in the 20s, um, right? You, you talk about, it, it looks like the Rams, I'd love for them to take a, a Jared verse type or someone like that. I think Turner goes... Um, before 19, but like maybe you know, uh, verse goes 19. They could go corner still, but I, I wonder if they'll have verse ahead of whoever the top corner is available there because there's that early run with Quinion and Terry and Arnold. You know, are we going Wiggins or are we going verse or or, or if, if they clear lots? Right. Darius Robinson seems like a Seahawks trade back and take him kind of player. And then you know, Houston at 23, if they lose Grenard, could be a, an option to go there. Depending, right, I think it's going to come down to like Wiggins versus them because I think like Byron Murphy is going to be long gone. I think like 13 of the Raiders could be a good landing spot, something along those lines. And then afterwards, right, if, if Quinion, Arnold, and, and Byron Murphy are off the board by 15, where do they all go? But I think this is a situation where Latu is the wild card. If he was medically cleared, we'd look at things a lot differently. And then Darius Robinson, I think, has cemented himself because he's going to test well as a first-round pick. But I think 28, 29, 30, 31, we could see like two of those guys go like 30, 31 kind of deal. No, I agree. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, I have, I have edge rushers at 27, 28, uh, and 31. <laughs> My mock drafts, they're all like right at the back end of the first round, essentially. No, so that's where uh, I kind of see a little bit of, of a run there. These playoff teams that like to add edge rushers, we kind of see that every year. Think about this past year, Miles Murphy. 28, Nolan Smith, 30, Felix Anadike, 31, right? Three go. So uh, I could definitely see that being the case. But yeah, no, it, it, I honestly lean more Isaac and Booker over Chop. I, just the Nolan Smith thing concerns me a little bit because he ran 4-3-9. Chop's going to run 4-4 something. But it didn't seem to really help Nolan Smith out. And I thought teams viewed him higher than they viewed Chop Robinson. So... Uh, that's just, you know, even on draft night, people were mocking Nolan Smith 10 and he lasts so 30. So that's my concern with Chop was, all right. And so then, you know, it depends how Adisa and Booker test. But they were just two that I kind of thought maybe they could fit that mold, right? 
of the guys who they still have a lot of upside. Both have really good leg, uh, good height, um, right? So we'll see. But that's, yeah, kind of the thought process with both. Yeah, I think we're starting because it, it seemed like common to do mock in eight and nine. Like Atlanta takes an edge, Chicago takes an edge. Then like they, New Orleans takes an edge, right? But it looks more and more when you go through the class and how the corner group uh, is shaken up at the top. Maybe they start to have the run a little bit later in the first round. Yeah, that's, that tends to be how I view it. I think there could be one edge rusher that goes in the early teens, maybe, just because, you know, the, some teams are going to take them. Like, minute, like a team like Minnesota, that's floating up there. It's what, what do you do? Like, do you do you take quarterback? Are you going to find a quarterback? You just don't know what the Vikings are going to do, in my opinion. So the Vikings are a hard team to draft for. The Broncos, we assume we're going to take a quarterback because they're going to get rid of Russell Wilson, who's got his house on his market in Denver. But like that, you don't know what they're going to do. They're a weird team to draft for. Chicago with that second pick can do basically whatever they want. They might trade back. It's just tough to like those teams. One of them could take an edge rusher and just throw everything out of whack for the rest of the draft. <laughs> no, but uh solid group overall. Yeah, I, I I went five, you went four. So about first round talk, day three edge rusher, you're banging the table for who are the two guys you chose? Yeah, I put Nelson Caesar and his Avery Thomas. Uh neither of these guys are gonna be full like out there every down kind of players because they're both on the smaller side. They're not going to be as good against the run. If they are playing on run down, it's going to be more penetration style players. They're not going to really anchor in a gap for you. But you put let Caesar on, you watch the tape of Caesar at the senior bowl. I thought he had a really good week overall. He had a really nice win in Tyler Gutton. He's got some really good overall pass rush plans set up right now. And he has enough, enough bend, enough explosiveness to really be an impact player, I think, as a pass rusher. Even as a backside run defender, he's got enough speed where he can make plays coming in that way. So I think he's just got a really good overall set of physical traits right now. Not enough to where he's going to be an every-down player. But enough where he can be like that. You talk about Nick Kerbick being like your edge three rotational guy taken in, in the fourth round. I think he can be that kind of player for your defense. Uh, so I have a lot of upside and a lot of faith in him. The other guy I put down, I think it's more of a, a mid-to-late day three player, Xavier Thomas from Clemson. Uh, obviously, I've watched him for quite a while. Never really developed into the player people were hoping he would be based off his freshman year tape. Uh, obviously, he has a lot of injuries in the past. He's missed a lot of time. He's an older prospect. But you put on the Shrine Bowl tape, and he's just, I mean, people talk a lot about Muhammad Kamara, the Colorado State edge rusher. Rightfully so. He's been a very productive player. But Thomas is much more explosive than, like, Thomas is just popping on a different level than guys like Muhammad Kamara and all the other edge rushers who are at the Shrine Bowl. So it's just that speed and burst that you see. And his hands, he doesn't have the best arm length, but his hands are, can be very combative, and he's very good at getting into the offensive tackle's chest, surprisingly, despite not having the best length. So that combination of burst, speed, he's going to test well. He's got combative hands. I think that's just a good quality to designate a pass rush you can find uh, mid to late day three who can go out and get you, you know, maybe he's not going to be a star for you, but go out and get you five to seven sacks maybe as like a rotational player every year. With Tom, he—I remember that. Uh, I think it was his sophomore year against A and M. It was Carson Green at right tackle, and he had one rep. His bend—he got so low to the ground. I'd never seen that before. And I said, if he could just do this next year, he'll be a first-round pick. And four years later, or whatever it is, <laughs> you know, he just never—it's always been flashes, right? And. uh Right, you talk about it. I think it's less to do with his on the field ability, 
in order to do with everything else. But he's a he's a really talented player. I like the two guys you chose. I went Brendan Jackson, Washington State. I think, yeah, mid day three, you're looking at probably fifth round pick. I think he could be a fourth edge rusher. I really liked his film. Uh, I I just there was he's not going to test overly well. I didn't notice him at all at the senior bowl. Right, there are certain guys where we talk about like were they even there? Um, but I just thought he was really productive. I thought like when we talk about we like uh, a Johnny Cornelius uh, watching the Oregon film, it was like 80, 88. It was always just or eighty. I can't remember what number he is. Some some weird wide receiver number. <laughs> I just think he's always around in the backfield, right? Like, and you know, Braylon Trice is going to go a few rounds ahead of him. I think like he's your discount version of that theoretically, and uh, so he was the guy I chose. I didn't, I don't love this day three edge class. I think what starts to happen is you start to like guys more and more. You're like, there's no, he's not going day three anymore, right? Like yeah. the, the, the class starts to thin out, and it starts to be like. Right, like, would you be stunned if Nelson Caesar went, you know, eighty-five to hundred? I would be surprised. I don't think I would like be jaw hit the floor, but I would be surprised a little bit. Like, it's it's a situation where like uh, Gabriel Murphy going into the process, like, oh, what a nice fourth round player to get Gabriel Murphy, and now it's like, oh, by the way, he was probably the best player at the Shrine Bowl, and he's one of the most productive players. And I've got multiple people now saying. We think he could be like a a third, like a mid third, maybe early third round pick. I'm like, well, there goes my fourth round edge rusher. Like, I can't, I can't say that name anymore. Marshawn Nealon, like, we can't say that name anymore because he's going right. to be a a third or maybe even like a late second round pick. Like, these guys are players. Like, oh, there could be nice like day three dudes, and then if they're good enough, they're just not day three players anymore. So it, it's tough. I like with Brandon Jackson. I did get to talk to him at the Senior Bowl. Another like really well spoken guy is going to interview. Fantastic. Was a team captain this past year, and that meant a lot to him. And also, I think he's better in run defense than he gives. He gets credit for at times. Like yes. he's a better run defender than I would anticipate for a player with his build. So I think he's a pretty well-rounded guy. And yeah, I like him as a day three player as well. I I think he's no higher than your fourth edge rusher, but I think he could be that. I think uh, I think that's where like his ceiling and his floor is. And I think you know a guy who can make your fifty-three man roster in the fifth round. And I do think the run defense is better uh, than people give him credit for. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, yeah, so the, in terms of the edge rusher group uh, on day three, my favorite day two edge rusher, this is kind of, uh, I, w- I don't know if how I'd say this because I think there's a shot he goes in the first round, but Austin Booker to me is this class, Tyler Smith from Tulsa. I, I, I've told you this. I kind of like Dallas at 24 taking him. I know it sounds crazy now, and I know, right, like the the Cowboys, did they really need, like, they, you know, Tyron Smith, Terrence Steele was good, Zach Martin, do you really need to take Tyler Smith at 24? It seems like such a reach. And now it's like he's the best edge, cl- uh, best offensive lineman from that class. And it looks like a phenomenal pick. And, like, Booker, if, similar to Tyler Smith, if they went back to school, I think they end up as top 10 picks. So why not 24th, right? I, I think... I think he's phenomenal. I, I just think the flashes are impressive. I'd want to know why did he come out early? Uh, he wasn't a full-time starter. Right, we, we killed Lucas Van Ness for it. Uh, and <laughs> this kid, it was like no different at Kansas even. I don't know. I was like, wow. You, you watch the Texas game. Who's number nine? Right? Yeah. He's just unbelievable. And Calvin Banks, the left tackle from Texas, who we'll be talking about pretty soon, is one of the best players for the 2025 draft. He's 
crushed him. I was watching Banks the other day, and Braylon Trice had no success against him. I'm watching Austin Booker down after down, and Banks talked about it, the best uh, pass rusher he faced all season. So, you know, high praise. And the flashes are unbelievable. And so I would take him. I truly would take him in the first round. So he's my favorite day two edge rusher. And this guy who could not get on the field like at all at Minnesota, by the way, in this oh. first two years, like could not see playing time. Played like 500 snaps this year. Declares for the draft. Goes to the Senior Bowl. Has a good Senior Bowl, by the way. Like you see his hands and power really pop. Like he had a, a good week as far as showing like that potential. So uh, it's it's tough. Like, what do you do with him? I lean. We'll talk more about him later. I have his pro, prospect profile today. I, I still view him more as like a second round developmental guy. But if you're going to take like the first round bet on the upside for an edge rusher in this class, like he's probably the guy. I, that's my thought process. Is if I'm a good team, like San Francisco at 31, where you have needs, and yeah, sure, Fatsana, Jordan Morgan, help out that interior offensive line, or you know, name a position, sure, and they they could go, you know, but I just um, get him as an edge rusher, and I know it it may not be perfect year one. With Tyler Smith, though, he was able to contribute year one, and I know I'm, I'm making a apples to oranges comparison with these two prospects right like two years ago tyler smith right like they're entirely different and and everything but i just see kind of that like i kind of like him early too and i'm like just you know rip the band-aid and take him in the first round at 31 because you know you get that fifth year option too you get that extra year with him which that's a he's a type of player who I don't know if the output's going to be there year one. So you still have four more years to go with him rather than uh, if you take him early second. So he's the kind of guy that I think Dallas 24, San Francisco 31. I, you know, I, there's there's some other teams in like would Arizona at 27 make sense? I don't think so. You don't have the infrastructure in place to help this guy develop, but a team like Dallas with DeMarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons or a team like San Francisco with Nick Bosa and the defensive, you know, staff that they have and D line coach, right? Like those are teams I think make sense. It's gotta be a perfect situation, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to convince you that he's a first round pick here. And I just, I wrote him as my favorite day two edge rusher. So this is kind of this, this weird thing, but yeah, Booker to me, I think is a stud and I'd take him in the first. So if he lands in the second, he's my favorite two, a day two edge rusher. Well, speaking of Demarcus Lawrence, let me introduce you to Marshawn Neeland, who I think will have like somewhat similar profile in terms of this guy. Outside fan bases are not going to understand why he's so good if he ends up being a productive NFL player. It's just because he's going to get pressures. He's not going to get a ton of sacks, but he's going to get a lot of pressure. He's going to be a, an elite run defender, kind of like Demarcus Lawrence's. That's how I view Marshawn Neeland and his like ceiling in the NFL. Never going to be a superb sack artist, but it's going to be a player who's going to be really productive against the run. And it's going to be able to be a consistent number two in terms of your sack artistry, being able to be, apply pressures, use his power that way, use his natural physical gifts and arm length. I think, well, I have him more great as a third-round player. The closer we get to this draft, the more I examine the edge class, the more I feel like he's going to be a second-round pick. And I do think there are teams out there that like even like a, like Dan Quinn going to Washington and Washington having two picks. Like The earliest I could see him going is maybe that second pick to Washington at 40, just because Dan Quinn has had guys like that and has had success with some of those players before. That's very high compared to where I graded him based off his tape. Uh, but I think that is like the ceiling for a Marshall Nealon type player because he has the arm length, he has the power. He is probably one of, if not the best run defender 
among like the t- true top 100 edge rushers in this class. Uh, or top 100 caliber prospects, I should say. So he's really up there in terms of that element of his game. It's just developing the hand counters and developing the true pass rush moves off of that. That's obviously like, that's a lot. That's a lot of portion of the whole process, but I don't know. I, I feel like this is the player I'm buying in on this year, really taking that developmental leap and being by that second or third year in the league, being a high-end edge two player and just the quality starter who might be underrated by outside fan bases. He's a guy, right? And you see this every year with some prospects. It's a little like that with Ladd McConkey for me over the summer where I gave him, I think it was like a 6-3 grade. And, and so like that's an NFL starter. And the more I just started thinking about it, thinking about it, I'm like, there's no way this guy isn't really good. And I was just like, you're not bumping up your grade, but you're like, I would take this guy. That was like Nealon, right? You evaluate the film and you, you're at a certain grade with him. But the more you watch this edge class, the more you compare him to Nealon, you're like, I really like this guy more than all these prospects. And even though, right, like he's a third round grade, I would take him in the second round. So I think that's kind of, you know, the, the the type of player he is. And so, yeah, between Booker and Nealon, these were two players we were not talking about two months ago. At, at, I thought there was zero shot Booker was coming out. And then I thought there was very little, a very little chance that, uh, you know, Nealon would be, Maybe you watch the film and he'd be this good and you know he was good at the senior ball. So yeah, I think both of them end up as, as worst second round picks. So they've added a lot to the edge rusher group. So similar to how we did last week with the wide receivers, buckets. How do you bucket these prospects currently uh, on your board? Where are their drop-offs? You know, like that top tier, second tier. Uh, how do you how do you group this uh, edge rusher class? Yeah, there are some drop-offs. I'll pull up my new board yet, which hasn't been published quite yet, but I'm going to give you a, a little bit of a preview of some of the sneak areas peek. for it. Yeah, sneak peek of it. Uh, so I do have three guys in the top 30. And that's mm, that's Latu verse and Chop. I know people are going to talk about Dallas Turner. I just don't love Turner as much. But I got three in the top 30. Now I've got four in basically between 10, the 10 spots between like 32 and 42. I've got four guys that are grouped in there, which is again like that that back, which is why the back of back of the first round, top of the second round is probably gonna have a lot of these guys in it. But it's like that second group of guys to me is Dallas Turner, uh, Darius Robinson, and Adisa Isaac. And I still put Trice in that bucket. I know that there's a lot of concerns there. He might be more of a late third round player. But I think in terms of like the way this class is built out, the body type Trice has compared to some of the other guys who are a bit leaner, there might be a bit more of a need there for him. That's my group two. And then there's an and then there's like a big drop a little bit to some extent. Like Austin Booker to me is a truly developmental player. Who I know you like a lot more than I do at this point from from the feels of it. But he's a truly <laughs> developmental guy. Who I think is is still. I mean, he's so lean. Like he is very like even compared to someone like Adisa Isaac, who I think is pretty lean, chopped too. He's still like not quite there yet in terms of the power. I do worry about him in the run game. I know he had some plays against uh, Texas because he's got a lot of hustle in the run game, but I don't know. I feel like he's got the true stack and shed technique down yet. So I got Booker more in this kind of like third grouping here, just outside the top 50 where it's like Booker, Chris Braswell, Marshawn Nealon, and there's a little bit of drop and Gabriel Murphy's right around the 80 spot. So that's kind of how I view players in the top 80. You can kind of have these four general buckets where it's these true first round grades, these back into the first round, top and second round players, and these true like second round group guys. The only other players who I have close to the top 100 are like... Uh, Jonah Ellis from Utah, 
I think he's more of like, like a DPR kind of player. And then Brand Dorless, we'll talk about today, who I just tweeners at the long defense line make me like they're worrisome to me. I don't love it. So he, those two guys are like back end of the third round players. And that's kind of how I view the top 100. No, I think that's a good way, way to put it, right? It isn't as good as last year. I think adding some of these players infuses some talent into this group with Booker and Neeling being legit prospects. I'm going to be higher on Booker than I think everyone else outside of maybe Lance Zerline, who has him as, I think, like a top 20 player in this class. <laughs> but we kind of view him in that same way. Just bet on the upside because 24 through 32 picks. You're right. And I know I keep going back to Tyler Smith and, uh, you know, being a dead drum here. But, like, yeah, I, I just think that, uh, yeah, he adds a lot. All right, you go. Trice is the interesting one. How did teams view him? You said maybe like a late third round pick. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know if he's a second. I just think he's gonna. I just don't know if the test thing's gonna be there. He's not long either. You know, thirty-two. I think in like a quarter inch arms or something like that. Where you're like, really at that size? Um, so I think he's gonna be a guy. Also, wasn't at the Senior Bowl. I think that could have helped him to be there. Um, so, yeah, but I don't think he's gonna test that well. And I wonder if he pushes himself down to the to the third round. We'll see. But uh, last question: Who will be the best edge rusher from the class? You put down two names, and I made you choose one because I was going to choose the other. So I'll start, uh, and then you'll you could probably tell uh, who Sam went with. Uh, Leatu Latu, uh, he's not a type of prospect I usually like. Right, I, I've hyped up Austin Booker. Those are the types of just bet on the upside. Uh, your Max Crosby type with Booker, but with Latu, I just I said this a bunch. I just don't see a way he fails. I just think that. His football IQ, his understanding of how to beat rushers in over, let's just say, 45 to 50 snaps in a game, he's going to get you enough because there are going to be reps where you notice like he's not the bendiest player in the world. He's not the most powerful player in the world. So there'll be reps that show up in that way. But if he tries to beat you around the outside and doesn't work, he's going to hit you with an inside move that's going to work on the next play. He's got the ability to finish. I just think, you know, the technical development he has, he's a day one contributor. And I think if he's on a, a, a good team uh, as their number two to start, I just I just think that the the talent is there. He's so NFL ready. And I just think guys with his pass rush plan, right, he's going to have a counter for everything. And yeah, you know, like there are Lane Johnsons in the NFL, but there's a lot of bad right tackles, a lot of bad left tackles who are out there starting, right? Not everyone's Tristan Wirfs. And he's going to be able to tee off on those kind of prospects. And so I, I think that he's so ready-made. I think that the character's high. I think everything makes me think 20 to 32. How do you pass on him? Because he's going to be an, a, an impact NFL starter. And I think he's a double-digit sack player. It's just that's the kind of talent he has. And when you talk about these NFL tackles, there's a lot of them who aren't good. A lot of them who uh, right, are always injured, right? And so you're going up against a backup, and that's the kind of game as a rookie where Latu has two and a half sacks and 10 pressure. Uh, that, that's, I, I think so. Um, and I, I think people discount the size a little bit or the arm length. That's you know, He doesn't win with power uh, anyways, really. And so uh, it wasn't too big a concern for me. Again, not a guy. Zerline Compton to TJ Watt. I don't think they're like super similar, but like I understand. Here's why I like that in the sense that Watt just wins like so often. 
<laughs> and I know Watt's athleticism is better than what Latu's um, will be. But just that, like, you just know they're going to win. Like, they're just... like So I go back to the Rams game for the Steelers this year. And the beginning of the third quarter, they drop back Watt into coverage. And he has a, an interception that changes the game. That's how I kind of see, like, with Latu, where, like, I see them just, like, being such good football players that they're just game changers. If you need a strip sack... Lots is going to get you a strip sack. Watts is going to get you a strip sack. You need an interception. You need a forced fumble. You need a key third down sack. That's where I, I, I don't see the comp stylistically, but I see the comp and what they can mean to their team. So that's just my thought there. I just think he's going to be an awesome player. Maybe similar draft range too come draft night, depending on like some of the circumstances with the medicals and stuff. So that maybe I, I can see that. But again, I think, well, I think Watts is a little bit bendier, but I understand what you're saying. They're just gamers. They just find ways to win. And... Ah. That's what Latu's did in college. So I think that's an interesting point to bring up. My guy I put down was Verse. You know, I've liked Verse for a while now. I liked him when he was at Albany. I thought he was going to be like, we're talking about the fourth round guys who are no longer fourth round picks. I watched the Albany tape before he played a game at Florida State. I'm like, wow, this is the best fourth round edge rusher you're ever going to find. And they played one game at Florida State against LSU. And like, all right, no more fourth round talk at all. It was over. Uh, I do think people have become a little bit too maybe fatigued with him with the discussion around verse to some extent. I still think he's a really good player. He's very explosive off the line. Doesn't have the best length or bend, but he's explosive. Got very fierce hands, a lot more power than he's given credit for. And I think he has improved as a run defender, especially over the past, I'll say year and a half, two years. Combining all together, he is still first round pick for me. He's still my top edge rusher in terms of how I view him. I don't know if he'll ever be a true edge one. I don't think there's a really edge one in this class, to be honest with you, a guy who's going to be like a, a guy who's going to be in that 16-sack area where you get guys like Josh Allen this year for the Jaguars or Daniel Hunter. You're like, There's no one like that in this year's draft where you're taking thinking, okay, we got ourselves like the face of the franchise over defense. There's no one like that at edge this year. But I think first could be like the ideal number two in terms of what he offers, the explosiveness around the edge, the run defense, the power through the hands. You know, I just like him. I've seen people comp him to George Karloftis, which is not – I think he's better. And Karloftis, but at the same time, like Karloftis has developed into a pretty solid player for the Chiefs right now. Like they, they kind of needed him this past year to help out that defensive line. The defense has really developed well in Kansas City because they have some guys who have stepped up along the defensive line, like Karloftis. I think Verse to me is my top edge player, and that's kind of where I've been throughout the entire process. I'm not really moving off of that. I consider Verse. I said he's Karloftis on steroids. Like that's kind of how I view him and. You know, he's older than Carlos. No, Carlos has been a very productive edge rusher. And right when you go like the like a it's tough, right? Like, do I I think Latu has the best chance, in my opinion, of being a number one. That's just this his technical, like his tech how technically advanced he is just completely translates. Um, where I think with Turner and Verse, I think, yeah, I, I I would have put Verse if you didn't take Verse as the top guy. I think he's both of our top edge rushers. I just think the floor is so high. Talk about the run defense. I think that is awesome. I, I think he, yeah, he didn't have like, people are hyping up some of these sacks uh, Turner had against like Ole Miss and, you know, not hyping up some of the, you know, it was Verse, the, the box score wasn't there. But it, it was like, it, it felt that, and he was, you watch the film, you're like, wow, this is impressive tape. Just because he's not getting a sack doesn't mean that he's playing poorly. And I think people during the season, you just kind of watch, you're watching seven games live, right? During the uh, noon window. 
and he, you're only going to catch so many plays of Florida State. And I just feel like he was unfairly dropped for no reason. Yeah, I think he's a top you know, 10 player in the class. And I think he's at worst a really good number too, right? It, it, I think he's going to be a better... He's a better version of Karlaftis. Karlaftis has arguably been the second best pass rusher in that class behind Hutchinson. So uh, I think that uh, versus a really good prospect and someone who should go really high. And I wouldn't you know, be mad if he went ninth to Chicago to pair with Montez Sweat. Yeah, I have him going a little bit lower than that in my mock draft, but I have him somewhat similar range to that. It's like the highest I think we'll see an edge rusher go in this year's draft. Uh. But speaking of edge rushers in this year's draft, the prospects reviewed today, a lot of defensive linemen. Uh, we do have one player for 2025, but a lot of the edge rushers. And we teased the Austin Booker profile already. I think we'll just jump right into that if you go with it. Because yes. you, know, you like him quite a bit. I like him. I just don't like him as much as you do right now. But again, there's a lot of development that has to happen with him. So I gave him a second round grade. Uh, three, four outs in linebacker and multi-year project players. Got a lot of development with the upside. Right now, I think he's still a little bit more flash than substance in terms of his play at this point. But again, you have to consider one season of playing legitimate college snaps. And he played about 500 snaps in that season. So he didn't have a ton of experience in college. There's a lot of development that will happen naturally just by getting him reps in the NFL. You know, that's what you have to consider. There's a lot he just has not experienced yet. We talk about Amarius Mims not having a ton of experience. But like this guy does like even less than that, perhaps. So it's a developmental process for him. But he's got good physical tools. You see the exciting reps that are really going to entice NFL teams. And while it's still a multi-year project, I think he really needs to work on his hand usage and his counters while filling out his frame. I think we see enough splash plays. We're going to and at we've seen enough splash plays at the Senior Bowl against competitive opponents in college. That I think you're going to get similar plays like that in his first year in the NFL, where you get the flash first, and then you get the substance, and you get the real development years two and year three. We're going to get a really solid player. So some of the positives: he's a younger player. The arm length is really good. Kind of flashes an explosive step off the line of scrimmage with some reps with really good amounts of explosives. And he's really good at mixing, mixing his pass rush tempo right now to where he can kind of lull and throw off the offensive tackle. He's so got redirecting into the B gap with a nice stutter step and shake. Uh, he throws some hand feints to kind of draw, draw out the tackle's hands and he can attack those then. Good inside swim move. He's got a club move, a nice two-handed swipe, a rip move. And he's developing a spin move as well. Uh, right now, he tries to rely a lot on a two-armed bull rush. I think he needs to develop a long-arm move, frankly, because I think the two-arm bull rush, while it can be effective at times, is not always the most efficient pass rush move. I think a long-arm move will do him better in the future. Uh, he's got a good push-pull as well, and he's converted speed to power pretty well at this point. Uh, what really jumped out to me is the explosive like pop in his hands. You've even seen that at the, uh, at the senior bowl. Where there's reps where he makes contact with the offensive tackle's chest, and the guy just, like, falls back on his butt, essentially. Like, there are just reps where he puts guys on skids immediately. So he's got really nice power through his hands. Uh, and I think that's what really stands out to me the most, that when he gets, like, when he hits his rep right, he's just dominating guys. So I think that really jumped out to me is that he does have untapped power that goes throughout his frame. He adds, like, 15 pounds of weight to him in the NFL, and he's going to be something real special. So that's why I looked at him that way. Uh, the negatives... Talk about lean player, one-year starter with very little experience. He's a little high-hipped. Uh, his frame definitely needs to fill out. 
He's, his stride length and passing is really weird. You watch him like come out the line. His stride length, the way he runs, is just weird. It's not like a negative, I don't think. But I'm also not a doctor, so I don't know. If, like you talk about, like maybe having some bowedness to his lower body that causes him to run that way. I don't know. So I, I just, I would like an explanation. I, I've never seen a player move like that, so I just would like an explanation. But I don't think it's necessarily a negative for him because it works. Uh, there is a, a little bit of hip tightness. It doesn't have like the best bend in the world, but it's good bend. Don't, I'm not trying to knock it. It's just not the best in the world right now. Uh, again, it has to develop the hand usage, just work more counters into his game uh, and develop off of that. Right now, again, run game's been an issue for him because he's displaced by double teams. He struggles to play through the frames of offensive linemen in the run game and is inconsistent right now at stacking and shedding. Now, he's a high, high motor run defender. He's going to work his way off blocks eventually. You, it's just that right now, uh, that initial pop at the line of scrimmage on the run game, he kind of gets pushed back, resets the line of scrimmage a little bit. He just has to work on adding more mass to his frame. That will kind of come with time. I've spoken enough about him. You know my thoughts there. <laughs> I take him in the first <laughs> round. So uh, <laughs> every, every negative you said does not count for him. It's funny. My two favorite players in the class are Marius Mims and Austin Booker. I think I have more combined college football snaps than I've never played. <laughs> so like that's that's where we're at with uh, those guys. But uh, yeah, Booker, I love him. And you, I mean, you like him a lot too, right? So uh, I, I think he's going to be a guy that uh, really rises. Uh Next edge rusher, Cedric Johnson from Ole Miss. Yeah, we're going to go to the other end of the spectrum here. I'm not too high on Cedric Johnson. He was at the Senior Bowl. He's one of those guys who uh, you brought up. Was he actually at the Senior Bowl? This is one of those guys <laughs> like where I, I didn't see him throughout the course of the week. Uh, he's a well. He's got a well-rounded collection of athletic traits for an edge rusher, but. Like the bend is inconsistent. The hand usage is not great. I just think this is a player who's got a low ceiling as a prospect right now. I think he's a fifth round guy for me. Uh, truly just an outside linebacker. I don't think he can play defensive end. I know he's weighed in at 260 at the senior bowl. He does not play like a hand in the dirt defensive end kind of player. So I don't think you're going to get that from him in the NFL. Uh, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not super high on this guy. I started out lower on him, actually. I kind of went up through the process. I thought initially, based on a couple of games I watched, he'd be a sixth rounder. I ended up watching like five or six games of this guy because I just wanted to like figure out what was going on here. And I did come up and give him a fifth round grade eventually. Uh, but I think the there are flashes of him timing the snap well where he gets off the line with a quick first step. He's really good at attacking the B gap and the tackle over sets. He's got quick hands, uh, really quick and vicious hands. Where he's able to attack the tackles outside hand and try to pin that so he can turn the turn his shoulder and win his outside uh win the outside rush. He's really good at attacking and snatching the lineman's hands. He's got good spin move that he uses to spin back into the action when he works too far up the arc. Uh, he's got a double hand swipe, a cross chop, a long arm move as well. Uh, he's an, he's also a high effort player in run defense and in pursuit. He's got really good angles too as a run defender. Uh, and he's good slipping blocks when offensive linemen get their momentum going too far forward in the run game. And they also drop him back into zone every now and then, like 60 times a year or so. He's actually solid at that. Like He's got enough mobility where I think he can handle that. If you give him a couple dozen zone drops in the NFL, he can do that for you. Uh, Some of the negatives, well, he's got good arm line, 33 inches. He's got like a bit of a narrow frame, so his wingspan's a bit smaller than that. Uh, just doesn't have a really wide body, some hip tightness as well. His bend is probably average. I would say not terrible, but just average at best. 
A lot of times he's just harmlessly driven up and around the pocket because he doesn't have that elite bend. Uh, doesn't really have the power to play through the offensive lineman's frame consistently. Doesn't break anchors. Uh, doesn't use his arms enough to keep his body clean. So he allows too much contact into his chest and shoulder pads. Doesn't have a great set of counters right now. And uh, he's driven off the line in the run game every now and then. He's washed away by down blocks as well. Just not a guy who's left a great stack and shed technique or enough anchor to really hold the point of attack at a high level. So day three player. I agree with you. <laughs> I was hoping for more from him, honestly. He and their other pass rusher, Jared Ivey, at Ole Miss this past season. I thought two years ago, I was like, all right, they take another leap that they're going to both be uh, really good pass rushers. And I thought neither one did. I was disappointed with Cedric Johnson. The only reason I noticed him at the senior bowl was that Ole Miss helmet looks pretty cool. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> But he never was winning any reps. And I just, yeah, mid-day three pick, right? I don't get excited about him uh, really at all. So, yeah, Cedric Johnson. Brandon Dorless, I want your eval. And then you see, I hear some buzz with the Steelers with him. So comparing him to DeMarvin Leal. Comparing him to a player doesn't make a high impact. Is that what you're selling? Tell me. Like, uh, no. Um, I give Dorless a late third to mid fourth round grade. I think he's a base four three defensive end who can occasionally reduce inside for you. He's got. Impressive power. You watch him versus Troy Fontenot, and he's got like both times he played Washington, he beat Troy with power. And Troy doesn't lose very often, but Dorless got into his chest, hit him with it, and he just put him on skates. Now that's probably why that's one of the reasons why I think Fontenot's better off as a guard than a tackle in the NFL. But Dorless had legit power. Uh, the issue is going to be he doesn't anchor really well in the run, and he's just got a really tweener physical profile. I, I just don't think he's an every down defender in the NFL. I don't think he has a clean projection to a single role. Uh, in in the league because right, like he came in at six, six foot three, two hundred seventy two pounds at the Senior Bowl, but he doesn't play like seven hundred like two hundred seventy two pounds. He doesn't play at that weight in terms of his ability to really be a menace in run defense, to really anchor and reduce inside and be effective inside. I don't see that from him. Uh, when he was winning inside, a lot of times it was because he's just more athletic than the guards he was facing, and that might translate a little bit to the NFL, but it won't work as much in run defense. I don't think. Uh. So Dorless is a veteran player, more than 2,200 career defensive snaps, good arm length, good wingspan. Uh, they're both going to check boxes in that sense. Uh, 33 and 3 eighth inch arms, 81 inch wingspan. So good for him. Uh, long strides and suddenness to exchange gaps quickly. He has more, a little bit more suddenness than I was expecting from him in terms of his ability to redirect uh, from gap to gap. Got two hand swipe, a long arm move, a swim move, a push pull, and classic spins and rips, which most players have at this point. Uh, good initial knockback in his hands with the power to really make guys pop. You can see that against Washington this past year. Uh, and he's good at pinning the lineman's hands and attacking from that angle. Uh, and he frequently guys hands and pass and pass lanes this past year for PBUs. In, term, and he's, in terms of run defense, his best element is a penetrating run defender who's able to slip blocks occasionally, use a swim move, get by a guy, and kind of create havoc in the backfield. But he's not going to anchor for you at a high level. Uh, for a player with his weight, his lower half appears to be a bit lean. I think his positional versatility won't really translate in the NFL because he is not going to have the power anchor to really play along the interior, I think. Uh, the straight line speed and burst don't pop for me. You will go back and watch him against Georgia in 2022 and watch him against like uh, Darnell Washington. And Darnell Washington is like bigger than this guy, stronger than this guy, taller. He's bullying him, essentially. Darnell Washington's beating him up 
and he's got nothing against these Georgia interior offensive linemen. Granted, like it's a year ago. I don't know that Dorless is so much significantly better player now than he was in 2022 that I'm like, wow, I can throw out this tape. Uh, he was, it was a tough game for him against Georgia. And you're going to face those guys in the NFL a lot. There are a lot of Georgia offensive linemen in the NFL. It's, it's not going to go well for you. I don't think he has counters to survive his bull rush. I think his hands and arms can do a better job keeping his frame clean. I don't think he's got dip and bend to really play off the edge at a high level. Doesn't anchor as I brought up. Uh, not consistent at block at stacking and shedding blocks at the point of attack. He was overpowered by Donald Washington. The pad level is inconsistent, especially in run defense. Uh, and he did not recognize gap runs at a high level this past year. You watch him on gap plays and he gets caught off guard a lot. Look, I mean, he's got some traits. I think he'll get taken somewhere in the top 100, but like he's player number 100 for me on my new big board. Like he's just like barely in the third round. I don't think he has a clean projection to the NFL. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not high on him either. I think that tweener aspect really bothers me. And early on in the season, he had some buzz, right? Like the Texas tape, tech tape. Like I was watching Texas tech tackle the other day. Like, wow, some of those reps he had were awesome. But that's Texas tech. You know, this, he just, I, I, I'm I'm out on him as well. I, yeah, I I hate tweeners. Um, I just think it's tough. I think he projects at the highest. Maybe I think third round he still could go eighty to a hundred range is kind of where I think I think his ballpark is. I, I just can't see him going any higher. I think testing will be important, right? I, I know I keep bringing up layout, but right, like he didn't he didn't run well. You're you're Mike Morris type, or they you're just you're kind of in that tweener weight, and then you run like a D tackle, and it's like, yeah. ooh, like this is gonna Not drop good. you. So that that's yeah, gonna that's, be a concern. Yeah, that's gonna be a concern because he can't play as much on the interior in the NFL as he did in college. It just won't work. No, it won't. Uh, next interior guy, kind of uh, Justin Eboyby from Alabama defensive lineman. Yeah, now that you said that first name, he's, yeah, you said that name is going to be called Justin for the rest of this episode just because I don't want to <laughs> say it. I said it before the show, and that's as much as I'm going to do. Uh, I gave him a fifth-round grade. He was a first-team All-SEC guy this year, so maybe a, a fifth-round grade might seem a little bit low for him. But he, was, he wasn't going to be drafted prior to this year because he had a, a season-ending neck injury in 2022 that missed, caused him to miss most of the season. Uh, former five, Former four-star recruit, Top 100 guy. Those guys tend to get drafted a little bit higher than they should. Like teams still tend to value some of those uh, aspects of it all. So I think he'll probably be taken higher than I haven't projected in the fifth round. But I don't know. For me, he's a quality rotational player, disciplined and really effective in the run game. There's some pass rush upside, but you're primarily drafting this guy to be a run defender, in my opinion. Like I don't think the pass rush production he had this past year is going to translate in the NFL a lot. Doesn't have a really good pass rush plan. Doesn't have the athletic traits. Again, it's a bit of a tweener guy. Like six, six foot four, 292 pounds. That's not really a defensive tackle. That's not an edge rusher. I, I just don't... I think you're drafting him to be a run defender, really. You're not drafting him to be a pass rusher to some extent. Maybe he is your Carl Brooks this year, perhaps. I, I could be like your kind of guy, I suppose. But like that's the role he's probably going to be in. He's not going to be a, a real starting caliber player for you. Uh, and again, like the tweener aspect of it all, like does just not work as much along the edge, along the true defense alignment as you're hoping for. Uh, some of the positives, 
filled, really filled out frame. There are flashes of a quick initial step that's inconsistent. Uh, he fakes that side before working back inside. He's got enough athleticism to cross tackles face into the B gap. He's got good classic hand swaths and swipes, a rip move, a long arm move, push pull as well. And he'll chain a long arm into a swim move. So he does string moves together. Uh, his two arm bull rush is a move he likes to default to a lot. It is a really powerful arm extension, though it doesn't have a lot. He doesn't have a lot of pop in his hands, but when he really extends his arms out, it shows up. I think the Texas AM tape uh, from this past year was probably the best tape he has. He looked really good in that game. Uh, he's good at building and channeling momentum on stunts. He's got really good leverage, I think, in the run game with a wide base to the point where he can even anchor against some double teams. Uh, he's rarely displaced from his gap. He's got the power to set the edge. Relentless player in pursuit. Doesn't have great speed, but really high effort guy in pursuit. Now, he can even make some plays as a backside run defender occasionally. And he's good at redirecting off blocks in the run game. So again, the run game is what really stands out to me is his power there and how uh, the fill-out frame, the anchor, the power he has. That all kind of works to his favor as a run defender. Uh, but I want to know more about this neck injury that cost him so much time in college. The arm length is sub-32. Barely sub-33, sub barely sub-33, but it is sub-33. Uh, not a lot of speed and open field burst. Inconsistent pad level as a pass rusher. There are times where you see he's outreached into his frame that clearly makes it more difficult for him in the game. Uh, doesn't have the bend to really work off the edge. It's not going to get low on you and win around the corner. The pass rush moves in the play, and they're applied inconsistently. Too often, it's just a default to... Here's a two-arm bull rush. It's not going to really win you anything. Uh, it's stalemated too often in the one-on-ones as a pass rusher. Not a lot of pop in the hands. Doesn't have a diverse set of counters to revive his rush plan. And you go back and watch like the LSU tape in this past year. Well, he dominated against Texas A&M, but you watch LSU, and they have a lot of NFL talent along that offensive line at LSU. He had a couple plays, but a lot of them were like high-effort plays, essentially, or the play kind of came to him. He didn't really have plays where he's winning with skilled technique as a pass rusher. So I think that's kind of the limitations you're dealing with this player. And, and like I said, like the high end you're probably getting from him is probably like a Carl Brooks, which got from the Green Bay Packers this past year. Which if he became Carl Brooks, that'd be awesome. But no, I, I, I agree with, with your assessment. Just uh, watching the LSU tape, right? Just we're just watching LSU guys for next year because they have three offensive linemen. We're talking about one today and we got two others that we got to talk about. And then they had Charles Turner at center. So they had a lot of dudes. So I've watched that game a ton and, you know, you don't notice him at all um, really much. And that's an NFL offensive line where AM has some players, but more for a few drafts from now. So, right, like, I, I think that you're getting a good run defender. I didn't see much pass rush upside and where does that go? And I think you have to find the right role for him. It's not determined yet where he fits best for the NFL. So... Uh, I agree with you. I think he's a day three pick. I think he goes out the board in the fourth. Uh, but I understand what you're saying, right? With Alabama, high recruit, uh, those kind of things. But the injury history, too. You have to take that into account and just next are scary. So uh, I think that uh, he's looking fourth, fifth round. I lean more towards fourth. I understand fifth. Um, so, yeah. Justin Boyby. I said that last name again. So Alabama defensive lineman. Last prospect. Our second 2025 prospect. We're evaluating... I mentioned LSU offensive lineman, Garrett Dellinger, offensive guard. Take me through your report on him. So I started out really high on him. I started out more in the second round range. And I, I came, the more I watched him, I came down further and further. Uh, I still, I still think there is 
top 100 ceiling for this player. I still think there's a possibility for that. But the more I watched and the more I became concerned with things like the pad level. So I end up giving him a fourth round grade. And keep in mind, like I said, I started out with a second round grade in my, in my mind early in the process with him and moved him down to the fourth round at the end of it all. Uh, he has stretches of really good play and pass protection. He's got a really nice frame. He's a former tackle recruit. And you can see it, like in terms of how he's built, he looks like that. He's got a fill-out frame, a really good anchor, nice size, good grip strength. You can see those elements. And he played tackle his freshman year. So he's, you can see that part to his game. Um, the issue with him is his hand placement's really wide. His balance is really bad. And in terms of the consistency he has with blocks in the run game, that's also not very good at this point in time. Uh, so I think the solid floor he has in pass protection will probably get him drafted maybe in the third round, I could say. Uh, he just might get moved up over time because he is a good pass protector, but I I don't grade him out that highly to begin with right now. And he might get there eventually, but not right now. Uh, he has experience playing both left tackle, left guard, center, and right guard. Uh, very clean player. He's rarely penalized. Only penalized three times in the past two years. Good frame. Maintains a wide base for contact and pass through with a solid anchor. Uh, strong clamp. He keeps his head on a swivel to help out both his center and his tackle. He's really good at diagnosing and picking up stunts as well. I think a bit of that comes from his time at tackle, transitioning over to guard. Uh, he's got the power to outclass stunting outside linebackers and five techs. He's a really effective combo blocker in the run game. He's got good effort, too, as a run blocker. He's not the most effective player in that, in that sense of the game, uh, but he gives a lot of effort. He does generate good displacement overall. You go back and watch the Florida State game this past year, and Braden Fisk's, I'll say, upper body twitch gave him problems, but he was good. At, he was, did a good job on matching square to Fisk. He did a good job at moving him off the line of scrimmage in the run game and does have the power to uh, seal running lanes as well and seal defenders inside or out. He's got okay mobility. You can see that sometimes on the gap runs they ran for LSU, but at the same time, he had really in, inconsistent timing when it came to hitting his landmarks as a gap guy in, in terms of pulling. So I feel better about him just staying inside and, and working more of an inside zone scheme. Uh, some of the negatives, the pad level and pass protection needs to get better because right now he's too high and defenders are too often allowed to like kind of get into his pads and like push him up even higher to the point where it's, it's messing with his anchor. So his pad level needs to get better. Uh, his outside shoulder needs to be firmer. Right now, he's letting defenders open him up too much for his left side because his outside hand needs to get stronger. He needs to protect that outside angle much more. Uh, his hand placement is wide, and he doesn't channel a lot of power through his hands. But I think he should, based on how he's built. He needs to put more power into his hands. Uh, it doesn't really counter long arm moves or counter ball rushes right now. So he needs to really develop that element of the game. Uh, early contact in his chest early in the play can really put him on skates and really push him back into the pocket. So he needs to be better with that initial hand placement, initial punch. And when he does feel like he gets hit early, he needs to have that counter ready to work on that. I mentioned the balance. He's pulled forward and off balance way too often. So he's really vulnerable to push pull moves. Uh, and then in the run game, he gets like he's ducking the crown of his helmet down and leading with the crown of his helmet in the run game which makes him vulnerable to swim moves. He's just falling off of blocks. His momentum is getting too far forward. Uh, so he's really inconsistent in terms of his balance in the run game and doesn't really create as much displacement as he should because he's having trouble staying square to defenders and keeping his hands on them. Uh, and one more thing I wanted to bring up is that his lower body is not the best in terms of movement skills. Like Braden Fisk was able to get around him a couple times because Braden Fisk has some level of twitch and burst. And this guy did... Well, his upper body wants is okay with matching that. Like his upper body is quick, 
his lower body is just a little bit too heavy to consistently match up right now. I think body type wise and everything, like, like he's massive. I think he has to clean up that uh, how he looks, right? He's definitely a little sluggish. And probably, like, so you watch the Alabama tape, and that's the first one I uh, started with. And I was like, okay, like <laughs> you talked about, you said starting off with a second round grade on him. And I was like, this kid's it. And then you watch the, I watched the Florida tape and Cam Jackson, the D tackle, he had one rep where he just bull rushed. And I was like, whoa, maybe, maybe there's a little bit. And then uh, Caleb Banks, another player on Florida, gave him a couple of fits. I just felt like as that Florida game was going on more and more and more, I started to see like, Sluggish play, right? You're talking the, the head too far forward, some balance issues, mediocre tape uh, in the run game. Love the frame and uh, the 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 size is awesome, and it, it's something to work with here. And he absorbs a lot of power. Bama tape, phenomenal. Rest of the tape I watched left me wanting a, a little bit more, but uh, I like your assessment of fourth round with him. So we'll see. But uh, he'll be one of the better guard prospects for next year. So. Thank you for listening to The Draft Report. Catch us every Wednesday talking all things NFL draft related.